How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Today, we're going over the Super Bowl preview between the 49ers and the Chiefs and who I think is going to win. Talking about the Houston Astros scandal. Then, we'll be talking about which NBA teams have been the most surprising so far this season. And then finally, we're going through all of the new head coach hires in the NFL. I'm going to give my grade for each team on their hires. So starting off with the Super Bowl, the 49ers and Chiefs advanced in the AFC and NFC Championship games this past weekend. The 49ers defeated the Packers 37-20 behind Raheem Mostert's 220 yards and four touchdown explosion. Um, Aaron Rodgers did have a very good game, but... Just couldn't overcome a very early deficit. The Chiefs defeated the Titans 35-24. Patrick Mahomes, 294 yards and three touchdowns. Also had an incredible 27-yard touchdown run. The Titans were also held to 70 yards rushing. And Derrick Henry only had 69 yards and one touchdown. So a good performance by the Chiefs. Um, definitely going to be a very intriguing Super Bowl just because the 49ers are recognized as one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL, along with teams like the Bills, the Patriots, the Bears. Um, meanwhile, the Chiefs are pretty much known as the most high-powered offense in the NFL just because of all the weapons they do have between Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Nicole Hardman. Uh, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy, um, just throw Mahomes that mix, as well as a great offensive line. Um, definitely going to be a very intriguing game, especially because the 49ers have a lot of big um, X-Factor players on the defensive side of the ball, including Richard Sherman and Nick Bosa. A few of the players I think that are going to be key in this game. Um, for the Chiefs, I think the two main players that are going to be um, – Big contributors if they want to win is going to be Tyron Matthew and Sammy Watkins. Um, solely because the 49ers have done a very good job this year of pretty much eliminating the other team's top priority guy. And I think they're going to pretty much do whatever they have to to try to eliminate Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Um, Quan Alexander should be able to have a decent matchup against Kelsey. No one can really cover Kelsey one-on-one, -on -one, but... I think his speed and ability to cover it at the linebacker position will definitely help him. And then I'd expect Sherman to follow Hill maybe a little bit. I know Sherman definitely doesn't have the speed to keep up with Hill, but they'll definitely have safety help over the top. That's why I think Sammy Watkins needs to have a big game for them. Um, he'll be matched up on Richard Sherman at some points, but um, Watkins has the ability to be both a deep threat and a good slot receiver. Um he pretty much lines up outside, but I think in the slot, Watkins can actually gain a lot more yardage than outside sometimes just because um, he's so quick off the line, and I think it's hard for slot corners and linebackers to really get a hold of him. Um, you can pretty much put Tyreek Hill anywhere. It's going to be hard to maintain him. but And then Tyron Matthew, just for the sole factor of the Chiefs secondary outside of him is pretty weak, and Matthew's probably going to be mostly covering George Kittle, who really didn't have a big game at all against the Packers. But Jimmy Garoppolo, I believe, only threw eight passes total or nine passes total in the entire game just because um, Moser ran the ball and they were dominating so they didn't even have to throw the ball. So it's definitely an intriguing matchup for a Chiefs team that doesn't know what they're going to get thrown at them because during the NFC Championship, they've just been relying on the run 
Um, they kind of been doing that towards the back half of the season. They've shown the ability to go air raid when they need to. Like when they played the Saints earlier in the year, the 49ers were able to come up victorious. Jimmy Garoppolo had an unreal game. But a lot of these receivers are going to be well-rested, not only because they have the week break, but because they didn't have to do very much in that NFC Championship game. And then the X factors for the 49ers, to me, is Nick Bosa and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, it's a big game for Nick Bosa just because if you're able to disrupt Patrick Mahomes, that's going to be your best chance to win. I know last week he was able to get out of the pocket, um, but that was just because I don't think the Titans had a very good scheme to go against the Chiefs. I know the first time they maintained Mahomes pretty well, but he was also dealing with that injury around then. Um, and they were only rushing 3-4 to four every time. And I think the 49ers do a really good job of mixing up their blitz packages. And I think if Nick Bosa can kind of get to Mahomes early, it'll really change the outcome of the game. And then Emmanuel Sanders is another X-Factor just because uh, Debo Samuel's kind of been the guy so far this year for the 49ers at wide receiver. And Sanders was kind of brought in to be the bolster of the offense to really push them over the top. And he's been kind of hit and miss um, since I've gotten him. He's had some big games, and he's kind of had no-show games. But I think he needs to have a big game um, against this weaker secondary of the Chiefs in order for them to win. However, in the end, I do think it's finally Andy Reid's time. Um, I think Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the NFL. I think at the end of the day, he's going to find a way to get the job done. So I have Chiefs 36, 49ers 28 in a really good matchup. I think a lot of people are going to be more intrigued this year than most years because we've always been accustomed to either the Patriots or even teams like Seattle for a little bit that were going back to the Super Bowl and back-to-back years. Um, so it's really nice to kind of see a couple teams that haven't been there in a while and two really historic franchises. Um, I know Joe Montana had a picture the other day on social media that he pretty much wins either way because he played for both teams. But I definitely think it's going to be a great game, and I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to it. So now moving on to the Houston Astros. Um, it's pretty much the sport topic of the world at this point. Um, the Astros were caught cheating during the 2017 and 18 season. The biggest part of the cheating scandal was during the 2017 playoffs, specifically against the Yankees and then in the World Series as well. So basically, allegedly, the Houston Astros had some sort of camera technology way out in center field that was stealing the signs from the other team and it was being relayed to the players. Um, the MLB finally came down with some pretty harsh penalties. Um, Jeff Lunau, the general manager of the Astros, and A.J. Hinge, the manager of the team, were both suspended for the entire season. However, the Houston Astros owner decided to fire both of them. Carlos Beltran was hired by the Mets to be their next manager. Um, they mutually agreed to part ways. More of the Mets pretty much saying they didn't want to be involved after uh, Beltran was involved in that scandal as well. And then Alex Cora, the Red Sox manager, was also fired um, for his involvement. Um, pretty much all the teams just don't want to have any of that um, negative publicity brought to their team. Um, just It's very interesting just because you look at all these um, upper management people getting um, fined and fired and suspended and whatnot, but none of the players are really being held accountable. 
They're all denying it. Jose Altuve um, has been around a lot of speculation. Specifically, it looked like he potentially was wearing a wire this past postseason um, when he hits the walk-off home run. He comes home, touches home plate, and while he's doing it, he's grabbing his jersey saying, don't rip the jersey off me. Um, pretty clear as day that he was saying that, which is kind of weird, and he made the excuse that the last time he did it that his wife made a comment about how his body looked or something stupid along those lines, which I just don't believe. Um, it just The Yankees kind of got screwed, not saying that they would have won the World Series. We don't know that for a fact, but just looking at the series when they were playing the Astros during that 2017 year, um, the Yankees were up three games to two. It started off actually up 2-0 um, for the Astros with both 2-1 to one wins in Houston. Then it went three games in New York, which the Yankees basically dominated 8-1, to 6-4, to four, and 5-1 to one before they went back to Houston and won 7-1 and 4-0. Um, just going back and watching those games, looking at the box score, all the games in Houston were a lot closer than they were in New York. Um, and that kind of brought a lot more speculation that cheating was happening just because they were picking up a lot of the Yankees' pitches a lot better than they did the previous three games. And it's very hard being down 3-2 in a series to win the next two games, even at home, especially against a Yankees team that was filled with power hitters. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see if the MLB ever decides to do anything with the players. I honestly don't think they will, even though they should. To me, I think the players should be heavily fined and suspended for the year. Um, I know that's tough because you could pretty much eliminate the Astros for one full year of contention maybe, but I don't even know if that's even such a bad idea. I mean, you're pretty much tarnishing the game. You're openly admitting to cheating. Um, I know the players aren't really coming out and saying anything, but former players have kind of talked about it and whatnot. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to keep following that story going forward. But you can definitely tell that the upper management people like the GMs and general managers of anyone who is a part of the Astros organization during that time, whether they're with them or without them, is getting hit hard um, with severe penalties. So it'll be interesting to see going forward what the MLB decides to do. I'm not sure if they're pretty much done handing out punishments or not, but it'll be interesting to see what the Astros do this season. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of heated games the Astros just because I think there's going to be a lot of teams that decide to throw at some of those players to retaliate um, for cheating the game of baseball but we'll see um, moving on to the NBA I'm just going to go over one team that's been a big surprise in a good way and one team that's been a surprise as being bad this season um, my good team's kind of a surprise in its own just because the record doesn't really um, show that you would think they'd be a good team but the Memphis Grizzlies being 20-23 and 23 in the 8th seed in the West, to me, um, I think is very surprising. They don't have a single player on their roster besides Andre Iguodala, who's over 30. And Iguodala hasn't reported yet. Um, they're still working on some sort of buyout agreement, so he could potentially join a playoff contender. But they have six players averaging double digits. They're led by a young uh, core between Jared Jackson, Dylan Brooks, and the rookie of the year favorite John Morant in a very tough Western Conference. And right now, holding on to that eighth seed, to me, um, about midway through the season, is very impressive. 
just considering going into the season, they were a team that was considered to be going to be finishing the bottom half of the league, let alone the Western Conference. Um, they just picked second last year. Um, John Morant's obviously a special talent, but no one thought he would propel them into a potential playoff team this season. Um, so that's been a very big surprise um, to see them doing so well. They've won, I believe, 12 of their last 16 games going into All-Star break. So hopefully they can finish strong. be really interesting to see if they were in the playoffs. I think they'd surprise some teams. I don't think they'd beat anyone in the first round. Obviously, they'd be playing a team like the Lakers, but I think it'd be some good matchups just because um, Morant and some of these guys are really flashy and fun to watch. Um, and another young team that I thought was going to be very good this year that's been super bad and it's been a big, bad surprise has been the Sacramento Kings. They're 15-28. and 28. They've lost five straight. Um, they have so many good players, so it's just very hard to see why they're bad. Um, they have Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and then they hired Luke Walton, who they thought was going to be a lot better for that young core and really get them going because he could relate to them because he's a younger coach. And they thought that he was treated unfairly on the Lakers and they thought that LeBron was dictating so much. But they really just haven't done anything. They haven't gotten anything going with all that talent. Um, it's very um, uninspiring the way they've played. Last year they went 39-43, which was just outside of the playoffs. They finished ninth. And I thought it was kind of dumb for them to move on from David Yeager. Um, I think he's a very good coach. He had three winning seasons and playoff appearances with Memphis after he was the assistant coach for them for all those years. And then they decided to fire him after they got swept in the first round for David Fisdale. Then he inherited that terrible, terrible Kings team. And he had two losing seasons. And then from 2018 to 2019, he had a 12-game increase and brought them to just outside the playoffs. So I thought he continued to show he was going to bring them in the right direction. Ended up firing him for Luke Walton. So to me, if you're bringing in Luke Walton, you better be sure as heck that he's going to fix that or make you over the hump and bring you into the playoffs. And so far, they haven't even come close. And I think a lot of people in Sacramento are very disappointed, especially as I mentioned before, with that young core um, with Fox, Heald, and Bagley. Um, they just haven't been getting it done this year, and I think they're going to continue to struggle, and I wouldn't be surprised if Luke Walton ends up getting fired after the season if it continues to tailspin in the wrong direction the way it is right now. And then finally, going into the head coaching saga that was this offseason, or going into this offseason, so there were five head coaching jobs, up for grabs and they've all been filled so I'm just going to go through each one talk about the new coach who they replaced and then my overall grade for the move so starting with the Carolina Panthers their old coach was Ron Rivera um, they hired Matt Rule um, who's the head coach of Baylor this past season in the NCAA football um, I give it a B plus grade I think Rule's a very good hire I think he had a lot of interest from other NFL teams as well he went 11-1 this past year at Baylor. He took over a team that a few years ago was 1-11. So just his ability to turn around a program, obviously college is different from the NFL. But we've seen the success college coaches have had their first few years 
in the NFL starting, whether it was Harbaugh or even Kingsbury this year, I thought did a pretty good job. Um, but I think just him inheriting the team with Christian McCaffrey, I think he'll be able to use Cam Newton the right way. They have a lot of good young players on offense and defense. So I think he'll be able to just add to their new culture because they are so young at a lot of uh, skill positions that he'll be able to kind of step in and connect with those guys right away. Um, I thought Ron Rivera was always a solid coach, but I think it was time to move on. And then moving on to Ron Rivera, he's the new head coach of the Washington Redskins. He replaced Jay Gruden, who got fired midseason by the Redskins. I give this an A-grade. Um, Rivera's a very good coach, 76 or 63 and one when he was the coach of the Panthers he appeared in one Super Bowl numerous playoff appearances I just think he is finally going to bring some stability to a franchise that hasn't had it in a long time he knows how to win he knows how to build a good culture um you could just tell right away the young guys Dwayne Haskins Darius Geis Terry McLaurin and all these even these defensive um, veterans Kerrigan and them are really buying into Ron Rivera already and just listening to all the former Panthers players talk about Rivera in such a bright light um, I think Rivera is only going to do good things to the Redskins they can't get any worse than Jake Gruden um, he pretty much drove them into the ground and they finally got rid of Snyder which I think was great for that franchise and I think Rivera is going to do a really good job in a division that's really up for grabs, and I think the Redskins could actually surprise a lot of teams um, in the next couple of years. But a very good hire for the Redskins. The Browns hired Kevin Stefanski, Vikings offensive coordinator. He replaces Freddie Kitchens. Um, I give it a C plus. It was kind of an oddball hire, um, just because I know Stefanski's been in the league for a while, and he was um, interviewed last year before. Kitchens was ultimately chosen, and Stefanski was said to be the second choice last year. But he just doesn't have that great of a resume, in my opinion. Um, to me, you want to get your offense going. They want to get someone that's going to get OBJ, Landry, Chubb, Hunt, Mayfield all on the same page, and Joku get those guys going on scoring a lot more points than they did this past year and kind of wasted the season where a lot of people were talking playoffs and even Super Bowl expectations because of all the talent they had. And he had the 16th total offense on the Vikings that another team that had a lot of talent between Cousins, Diggs, Thielen, Delvin Cook. Um, the one thing I think they will bring is a good running game, and I think Nick Chubb will continue to excel just the way he used Delvin Cook in Minnesota. But you saw the type of things that went on between Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs and Thielen. Um, complaining about who's getting the ball and whatnot. So bringing that guy to try to fix the situation where OBJ and Landry already weren't getting on the same page with their quarterback, I just don't know if that was a great hire or not. But personally, I think it's a better hire than what they did last year with Kitchens. So for that, I gave them a C+. The Dallas Cowboys finally moved on from Jason Garrett and hired Mike McCarthy. I give that a B grade. Just because I think they were a little quick on the hire, and I think they could have went in more depth of a search, but Mike McCarthy has a proven track record, 125-77-2 in his time with the Packers. He had one Super Bowl. 
And I think him retaining Kellen Moore um, was a big deal. Just because I think Kellen Moore is a great offensive coordinator. I think Jason Garrett really limited him in what he could do as a coordinator. And I think Mike McCarthy will do what he has to do to get that offense going. And I think he will be able to get the most out of that defense as well. And I think for all the talk they had between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy not getting along, I think McCarthy will do wonders for Dak Prescott. I think they'll be able to connect on a good level. And anything's better than Jason Garrett, um, the epitome of average, year after year, being 8-8, eight and 9-7, eight, and seven, barely scraping into the playoffs in a weak division and usually getting bounced out in the first round. It was pretty much the Marvin Lewis of the NFC, and it was about time he got fired. Um, but, like I said, I think they could have had a little bit more of an advanced search, but overall I think it was a good hire, so for that I gave it a B. And finally, the Giants moved on from Pat Shermer and hired Joe Judge, who is the special teams slash wide receivers coach for the New England Patriots. And it was kind of a question mark for me. I gave it a C grade. I just didn't quite understand it. I know there's been a lot of talk that special teams um, coaches turn out to be the best coaches because they understand all parts of the game, and special teams is so important nowadays. We've seen it. Time and time again during crucial moments where special teams play huge, but um, I just look at what Patriots coaches that have moved on have done. You look at Matt Patricia for the Lions. He hasn't done anything. Um, Josh McDaniels was going to take the Colts job and then backed out last minute, and he didn't have success when he was on the Broncos, so it just kind of looks a little weird, and he doesn't have really a proven track record as an assistant coach or anything like that. Um especially when they had the chance to go out and get Matt Rule, and they declined. Um, so you better hope that Joe Judge can come in here and do wonders with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, and they have a lot of young talent on offense, and they got some good key pieces on defense between the trades for OBJ and whatnot and drafting over the past few years. Um, but I think ultimately until Gettleman gets it all figured out, um, he's going to get the – backlash from all of the Giants fans but especially like I said before in a weak division um, in a big market like New York City even though they play in New Jersey um, Joe Judge better do a heck of a job or they're gonna be calling for his um, for his head or for his head after the first season in my opinion just didn't really like that hire but I'm a Bills fan so whatever the Giants do by all means um, but yeah that's gonna do it for this week's episode, uh, next week, we're going to be talking about um, the Bills' expectations and early schedule prediction for next year. I'm going to do a three-round mock draft for the Bills um, for the upcoming NFL draft. Talk about Jack Eichel in the All-Star game, how he performed in the skills competition, the game itself, and what his point projection will be for the rest of the season. And then finally, I'm going to talk about what the Sabres need to do to make the playoffs. I'm going to kind of look at the amount of games they have left and how many games I think they need to win and a few of the key games down the stretch of the season. But yeah, it's going to do it for this week. Uh, it's 25th episode. Appreciate everyone for all the support getting me here. And I hope you all continue to keep tuning in and hope you all enjoyed this week's episode and hope to have you all tuned in next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.